0: Hey, what's up, friends? Welcome to Kiss My Curvy Assets, the podcast where we drop truth bombs, hit tough conversations, bring some sassy, raw, real topics, and some badass fun. I'm your host, Lori Mort. Let's journey together on this roller coaster ride set to empower us, enlighten us, invigorate us, energize us, and just help us keep rocking our bodies and rocking our lives. Erin Danielle is an athlete, mom, wife, cancer survivor, and car selling machine. She's an X-figure competitor, and her last and final competition was in 2018, where she competed just 16 months after her last chemo treatment. She's now retired from competing and focused on balance, health, and just moving her body. She's a single mom and is now married to the love of her life. Erin, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to see you. It's so good to hear you, hear your voice. Thank you. So good to see you too. It's about time. Yeah. And we go back. I want to talk about how we met. I was in a hair salon. My hairdresser was doing a color on my hair, and you came out of a spray tan booth and you were really upset, kind of like, oh my goodness, it's blotchy. Is this going to be good enough for stage? And it happened to be a show that I was either judging or going to, and I was just trying to reassure you, it's okay. You know, you're on stage and we connected that way. And then we have just kind of stayed in touch through the years and gotten closer, which is, that's right. And that was probably what, when was your
1: first show? 2016, I think, or 15. Yeah, uh, the Popeye's classic in 15. So yep. like five or six years ago. Yeah, yeah. And you've been through a lot since
0: that That's first day. Thing. So we're going to kind of go timeline and talk about some of the stuff that you've struggled with and overcome and come out on the other side. And it it's a great success story and a great healing story, but mm. it didn't probably feel that way for you at times. No, there were some tough moments for sure. And let's talk about the C word, the C word that isn't COVID because COVID mm-hmm. has consumed us for some time. Let's talk about cancer. Okay, sure. Yeah. Take me to the moment you found out that you had breast cancer.
1: Well, I'll take you to the right before that, the when I found the lump, it's kind of a funny story as a competitor, as you know, and as you also know, when you lean out, your boobs disappear. And they're not pretty, especially if you've breastfed a baby. (laughs) And so I was off season and my, my boyfriend who is now my husband, or he had said he he likes my off season boobs better because they're fuller and they're not so depleted. And uh, we were in bed doing our thing and he's like, oh, wow, these are amazing. Cause it was off season. Right. And so the next morning I'm laying in bed and I'm like, oh yeah, they are amazing. And I'm like, oh wait, what is that? And then that's when I found the lump. I called my doctor the very next day and he had me in really, really quick. Uh, Shout out to the, to the medical system because it it was very, very quick for me. I think that was August. And after all my tests and whatnot, October, I was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. I was in my doctor's office. I kind of knew that something like it wasn't quite right. Because that morning, my doctor had called my doctor's receptionist called me and said, Hey, doctor wants to see you. And I said, Okay, well, like, should I come in now? Or like after work at four o'clock? She's like, you should probably come now. So I went. And uh, sure enough, yeah, I had uh, breast cancer.
0: A little bit of my backstory. My mom had breast cancer, and she beat it. Twice, wow, um, wow. so I know what that's like in terms of her stories and telling me that that mm-hmm. moment. And I a- actually had a breast cancer scare as well, mm-hmm. where I found the lump, went in, and I actually before they even gave me the results, because it's such a stressful time, I had mm-hmm. a full blown panic attack in mm-hmm. the doctor's office, and they hadn't even mm-hmm. told me the results. It was just that wow. buildup of will they be saying you have cancer? Right, and I remember falling to the floor, and I'm thinking, Lori, they haven't even said anything to you. You don't even know, but I couldn't <laughs> breathe. Mm-hmm. And luckily mm-hmm. for me, I didn't. But yeah. for you, how did that feel? Because I think our listeners was, might know what it's like uh-huh. to be tested. Because you know, uh-huh. we're all aging women, mammogram time, things like that. We're supposed to do regular checks. Were you on your own?
1: How did you feel? Well, to be honest, like up until that that call that morning, I thought. There's no way I would have cancer. Like it wasn't even a characteristic, like the lump wasn't even characteristic of cancer. And all my Google searches and, and people talking to me, like it it wasn't typical for a cancerous uh, tumor. We thought it was a cyst. So right up until that phone call, I was like, no, it's, it's not, it can't be. So when he told me, I was shocked, like so shocked that it was not the expected result at all. But then I just kind of went into survival mode. I I kind of like to compare it to like a new mom. You know, you don't know what to expect. You don't really have lessons on how to be a mom. You have to do it. You figure it out and you survive because you have to for you and your kid. And that's how it was like with me. I found out and I'm like, all right, well, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I got to figure it out, right? Just complete like survival mode. I figured it like I have to, do this for my son too, right? Show him that like, this is not the end. And this is just a chance to survive and be an inspiration. Well, speaking of your son, what's your son's name? Jackson. Jackson and Jackson's 13
0: now, but he would have been,
1: I mean, what year was that? Oh, he was, uh, well, that was 2016. So, so yeah, he was seven, eight. So how did, how did you tell him? How
0: did that conversation go?
1: So, as you know, the kids all do the Terry Fox stuff in the schools and the programs are, are really quite amazing. And so he was very familiar. And I think a lot of kids are very familiar with the word cancer. And for that, I'm thankful because I picked him up that day from school and I said, Hey, bud, I went to the doctor today and he says, Oh, for your boobies. Cause we had talked about what was going on. And I says, yeah, bud. And, uh, I said, well, mama has cancer and he goes, Oh, like Terry Fox. And he said it in like a a very like positive way. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, like Terry Fox. And, uh, so it's really cool how the programs, the Terry Fox, uh, programs in school have taught kids that cancer isn't a death sentence and it, and it can be survived. I mean, even though Terry Fox didn't survive, he really showed the world and how just to keep moving into, into like. Yeah. How strong people really can be. So, and since then I've, I've spoken at a lot of uh, Terry Fox runs. So that's near and dear to my heart because of that.
0: Well, it's nice when you've beat something to carry forward because mm-hmm. you, you had the positive attitude. You also have that end result of beating mm-hmm. it. So
1: mm-hmm. That is
0: inspiring. It is, it is super inspiring. Good for Jackson though, to be able to, yeah. I mean, I love that our schools. I remember as a kid watching Terry Fox go through yeah. my city and I lived in Thunder Bay, where he ended his journey, and and seeing the monument, and seeing, I know my ch- children just think of him as such inspiration because of how yeah. strong he was. But back to that positivity, because I remember following you on social media. You didn't keep it to yourself. You really no. tried to show what happened, speak your truth, show mm-hmm. the good, the bad, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. still trying to be a mom. Because social mm-hmm. media was there and it was a platform you could use to spread yeah. the
1: word because
0: you were yeah. young too. It wasn't like this was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, at first, I didn't share it and it wasn't long before I decided to. And like selfishly, it fills my soul to be able to share my story. And even today, talking to you, like I haven't done a public speaking in so long because of COVID and it just, it feels really good. And it, like I said, fills my soul to be able to share to, to other people. And actually, when I was diagnosed in the doctor's office, I said to my doctor, I said, you know what, like, this is my chance to do something bigger with my life. Like, I, I knew I was meant for something bigger, but I didn't know what that bigger was yet. And I felt at that moment when I was told I had cancer, I thought, well, this is my chance to, to be something bigger. I don't know whether it's going to be public speaking. I don't know whether it's going to be, well, I knew it wasn't going to be running across Canada like Terry Fox (laughs) because there's no way in hell I'm going to do that. But I knew it was something bigger. And yeah, so sharing my story was one of my favorite things to do because it feeds my soul and I know it helps other people.
0: Well, and I've met some of the women as well that you've lifted Mm -hmm. up and inspired just through coaching and through fitness Mm -hmm. and seeing them on your social media. It does make a difference. Even my mother, still years later, because it's been over a decade since she's beat cancer, being in the cancer support groups and helping women that are going through, because not everyone is as strong as you were. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mother curled in a ball and wasn't going to leave her bed. She was, why me, why me, why me? Mm -hmm. Until she Mm -hmm. was at the cancer center and started to see the younger kids that were struggling. And yeah. she kind of did the, you know what, get out of your own pity party and and yeah. take this head on like you did. Yeah. So it is yeah. inspiring because there's a lot of women that don't do what you did.
1: Mm-hmm. They do the mm-hmm.
0: the poor me, and I don't want to fight this, and I'm too weak to fight this.
1: Yeah, and it it's easy to fall into that too, right?
0: Did you struggle with much depression after, or did you kind of keep light and positive?
1: Uh, I'm glad you asked because during chemo. During treatment, during my surgeries, during my competition prep after cancer, I was still in survival mode. I was still, I am a champion, I am a survivor, I can do this, I beat this, da-da-da. And then when it was all said and done, there was no more treatment. There was no more, I don't know, flowers coming to my door. There was no more prepping for a show. It was like everything, like, holy shit, like I gotta get back to normal. Like I gotta live, earn a living. I've got to. I got to support my son. I've got to work full time. Like it was just, it was so heavy and so hard and people expect you to just go back to normal, but you're not normal. Like your body's not the same. Sometimes I don't even recognize my own body in the mirror. Your mindset's not the same. Like it was really hard after all of that. It was probably about three to four months before I really started getting out of that that really heavy fog in my head. It was tough. It was really tough after
0: it's almost like too. they take you through radiation and chemotherapy and the double mastectomies and the different mm-hmm. the breast implants and things that they mm-hmm. do for reconstruction. But then there's the after, after Yeah. it's yeah. that well, post honeymoon phase of now what I yeah. survived, but you have all
1: that trauma there still. Mm-hmm. It's funny. They, Bring you to this chemo teach. It's called before you go for chemo. It's a couple hours. You bring your mom or your husband or whatever, and you learn what to expect. You know the worst that could happen. You know what tricks and things to like help ease the nausea and stuff like that. But like once you're done, they're just like see ya. Like literally, I it was about a month and a half. Um, actually maybe about three ish months after my last chemo session, I had a little little lump that appeared on my hip, like near my hip bone. And I was like, holy shit, like, what is this? And uh, so I called my oncologist and he said, oh, you have to call your family doctor. Your file has been closed. And and that's, yeah, that's just like the epitome of how it feels like when you're done everything at, because you're just kind of like left on your own when it comes to the oncologist and, and sadly friends, right? Like it, it, once you don't have a big story about you, they don't want to be involved anymore. And yeah, so those three, four months, that was really hard.
0: It's almost like when you're getting ready for a wedding or or even to have a baby. I remember getting ready for yeah. a wedding. You're the center of attention. Yeah. Everybody's a part of it. Everybody's a part of your big day. And then yeah. it just all goes away after. And yeah. And in our medical system, unfortunately, there are so many cases that you mm-hmm. become the number mm-hmm. and you're the check mark of okay, success, mm-hmm. we beat it. Next. Yeah. Your yeah. spot gets filled with the next person that's fighting exactly. this battle.
1: Yeah. And I understand you can't have anybody and everybody who's ever had cancer because there's a lot of us to call the oncologist for every little thing. Like I, I get that, but it was just really shocking at the time <laughs> to say my file was closed.
0: <laughs> and so what did you do? Like, is there support groups? Is there, you know, a cancer
1: um, call line or like, what do you do? There is and i've i've connected on a few a few different th- levels but cancer for like a youngish woman it, it's really it's not that common a little bit more now i guess so the the support groups and even like the chemo teach and all the things that they tell you and teach you is targeted for older people so i found found it really really hard to relate to those types of things and that type of support i i honestly found most of my support from people my age in my town online. And like, for example, we had talked about before we started recording my good friend, Ali same thing with her. Like she, uh, and I connected because we are the same age because we both had breast cancer. And that's where I find most of my support from.
0: Well, and I'm the biggest critic of social media, but mm-hmm. for something like that, you might not have been able to meet that person that's across Canada or cr- across, you know, North America or even yeah. in, I mean, she was fairly close by, but you end up kind of, you're inspiring to someone and yeah. then they are like, oh crap, I, I have cancer. But I remember when Erin went through it and look at how she dealt with it and they can reach out to you. And that's why I like social media because you don't feel so alone. So you get to meet people and help them and inspire them. Sometimes you don't even know you're inspiring them. So okay. you met Allie and you
1: said Allie's going in for surgery. Yeah. So today, honestly, like, I'm not sure that she would want to share exactly her story. So she's going in what I'll just say she's going in for some major surgery related to her cancer today.
0: Well, and let's talk about the surgeries that you had to go Mm -hmm. through because now did you do the full double
1: mastectomy Mm -hmm. reconstruction full shebang? Yeah. So what we did first is um, well, we did uh, the biopsy, of course, to find out I had cancer. And then we did uh, a lumpectomy only. So that's when they go and they take out just the cancer. But because the cancer had uh, grown from one centimeter to five centimeters in a month and a half, they're like, hey, well, we got to get you in for chemo right away. We don't want to take any chances like if this is growing really, really fast. So, uh, we did chemo. So, we did 16 rounds of chemo over six months. And then I had the choice you can do radiation for a month, every day for a month, or we can go in and do the double mastectomy. And I chose the double mastectomy because I mean, I didn't want this ever to happen again. And a month of radiation sounds horrific. So, I yeah, so I went and did double mastectomy and then reconstruction.
0: Right. And did they fully reconstruct? Like, are you happy with the
1: results after? (laughs) Not really. Like you have to understand that it's like, it's not just a boob job. Like it's, you don't have, when a girl has a boob job, they have breast tissue and you're essentially just adding to that. Whereas with a double mastectomy, like they hollow that shit out and there's no tissue left. So essentially it's your skin and the scar, tons of scar tissue, and then the implants put in it. So they can't really control how it heals either, because there's so many scars. And there's, there's just so much trauma there. So yeah, I have one nipple right here. (laughs) And one nipple right here. (laughs) I mean, I'm thankful I have my nipples because a lot of women, they don't get to keep them, but I did. But the way it healed. Yeah, I've got they're like right here. (laughs)
0: All right. I mean, let's talk confidence because Mm -hmm. I deal in the body confidence, body love, love yourself world. So that Mm -hmm. is my, my world. Mm -hmm. We struggle on a good day with self-confidence as women to then Mm -hmm. have our boobs not be how we want them to be or not. I mean, you lost yours completely. They followed you out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was really hard, especially at first because like there was nothing there. It was basically just a flap of skin. And then they put in expanders and the first, the expanders are empty. So yeah, it's, it's a flap of skin. And then every week I'd go in for more saline. And so each week, you know, they'd start slowly looking like breasts again, which was nice. I asked for more saline, but my doctor said no, <laughs> which I'm kind of glad because they are a little big, Yeah, <laughs> i not going to lie, but yeah, like if I have a bra on, they're amazing. Like, cause the cleavage is nice. They look, they're ginormous and they're great. But as soon as the bra comes off, like most intimate situations with my husband, my bra stays on. That's where I'm most comfortable. And I, I have little feeling in them. So it's not like, you know, it's not like they need to be out and exposed for me to have pleasure because yeah, there's, there's little to no feeling, but I feel the sexiest when I have, you know, a pretty bra and my, my beautiful cleavage and my nipples, not in two different directions.
0: <laughs> well, and that that's the most important thing is what works for mm-hmm. you and what makes yeah. you feel confident and good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're seeing now a lot of women get their breast implants taken out completely
1: Yeah, and it
0: doesn't look so pretty after you've had breast implants in for a long time. And I have a few friends that just recently have gotten them taken out and it's the same thing. They mm-hmm. just keep their padded bras on now and yeah. they're, yeah, because it, it's health reasons. They were starting to mm-hmm. look a little deeper into what implants were doing to their bodies. And mm-hmm. again, it's all about how you feel
1: yeah. in terms of
0: confidence. You shaved your head. I did, yeah. And my son yeah. was there that day because it was at the local hair salon, and they were right. raising money. And he said, "I want to get my head shaved." He, I mean, he was fine with with a shaved head. And when we went in there, we just missed you, but you were being proactive. You knew you were going to lose your hair. Yep. And so you went for the shave. How did, did that
1: feel? Because you did have a good head of hair before. <laughs> I did, but luckily, I hope this doesn't sound conceited, but my bald head was like perfectly shaped. <laughs>
0: you, I almost, I was going to grab
1: the picture for the
0: cover because you had the most perfect head. I, like I know you do it all the time
1: and pull it off. Yeah. I mean, so many people said that too. They're just like, wow, you, you can pull it off. You're so beautiful. Da, 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 da. And looking back at those pictures, cause I did do a handful of photo shoots. Like I look back at those pictures be like, yeah, wow. Like I, I really did pull it off, but when you're in it, man, it's the worst thing. Like, you don't like you don't want to hear people say, oh, you look so good bald because you didn't do it by choice. You'd rather have your hair. You know, you're going to have this horrible, like year long regrowth period. That's going to be hell. I don't think I ever went out once without a hat or a tooth or whatever. I looking back, I wish I did. But when you're in that space, like it's so hard. It's such a hard hit on your confidence. It really is.
0: Well, and you get the stares too, when you're Mm -hmm. out, because there's being unhealthy is attached with Mm -hmm. that. It's not like you shaved it just for fun for yourself. You were sick. You you had cancer in you. So it's, and that's a lot. I mean, you're dealing with the stuff with the breasts and then you're also dealing with our hair and we don't realize how important our hair is on the top of our Mm -hmm. head until Mm
1: -hmm. it's gone. Yeah. And it did. I mean, it took a while for your hair to grow back as well. Yeah. Well, I I did the side shave for a long time. And although I liked it at the time, it's almost like I had to regrow twice. So I regrew side shave and then regrew it out again. So I probably wouldn't do it again, but whatever lesson learned.
0: (laughs) I have the side shave and I'm like, I I don't have the patience to regrow it. So I'm for life. (laughs) (laughs) And so now post-cancer, you, you find out it's gone. You beat it. What
1: was that moment like? Well, when you're cancer free or uh, NED, no evidence of disease, there's, it's really, especially with breast cancer, once they've taken the cancer out, it's really a personal choice as to when you consider yourself cancer free. Because technically I was cancer free after my very first lumpectomy, cancer's gone, right? And then they do all the chemo and, and everything else kind of like proactively to prevent it from ever happening again so I consider cancer free my very last chemo and because that was the hardest part, like chemo was super hard. And so when I was done that, I was like, ah, thank God. And, um, but like I mentioned before, like it was still in survival mode. Cause I had a, a couple of surgeries after that and then my competition and whatever else. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good feeling to know that like, yeah, it's gone. I beat it. And, and, uh, yeah, it feels pretty damn good.
0: Well, and part of your celebration post-recovery was 16 months after your last chemotherapy, therapy, you got back on competition stage in the figure oh, category. I did. That was fighting a lot of hormonal stuff too. So you're getting ready and your body's like, you just went through trauma, girl. Like. Yeah. It's hard to get lean after that. It's hard, especially the leanness needed for stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You were also just barely coming out of that, like 16 months.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 16 months after my last chemo, I had one more chemo left and I contacted a coach and he probably thought I was crazy because my hair was just a stubble and I felt like I had no muscle left. And I was was like, after my next chemo, I'd like to start prepping. And he's like, what? (laughs) So he probably thought I was crazy, but yeah, we started a program pretty much right then. I had two surgeries during that 16 month prep. And then, yeah, I hit the Van Pro stage, uh, the amateur stage, July 18, I think it was. And how did that feel? Because I know when uh, I competed,
0: it's confidence. It's a confidence boost to be on stage with the lights yeah. and the people in the
1: audience and you had beating cancer on top of all of that. Mm-hmm. It was the most unbelievable feeling. It, like my competitors or people who aren't competitors probably won't understand this, but it was beyond the feeling of just making it onto the stage. Like making on on stage is a big deal. But after what I've gone through, it was just like, I couldn't believe I was there. I was like cloud nine forever. It was incredible. And my my mom and dad were there and it really was important for them to be, they had been to my other shows, but my other shows, I was just like, they didn't understand like what you like, you work out every day so that you can stand on stage half naked in a bikini in front of other people. Like they just didn't understand it. Right. And when I was on stage, they played a little tribute video and shared my story. And my mom and dad were in the crowd and they finally kind of realized that, you know, bodybuilding and competing with something bigger than just getting on stage in a bikini. And that was really important for, for me to share that with them. And and my son too, he goes, uh, that's my mom. That's my mom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and it does, it's hard enough to get on stage when you're healthy and then to do it when you've been through something so insanely physical, but Mm -hmm. also emotional and mental and psychological and having to deal with all of that the post, I mean, it almost gave you something to focus on. That was great Absolutely. for you. Absolutely. And now let's come back to your son because yep. you're, you're a single mom. You went through cancer. That was a lot of trauma. He seemed to yeah. deal with that like a trooper. You had really some more trauma recently for him that let's dive into that. What just happened to his
1: dad? So a little bit of a backstory. I was with his dad for almost nine years, seven before Jackson was born and two after. So we split when he was two. Lots of stuff happened in the meantime. We got along for the sake of Jackson. Uh, We co-parented very, very well. But Jackson's dad's life kind of took a turn for the worse over the years, health-wise and other things. Jackson didn't see him a lot in the last couple of years. And unfortunately in November or the end of October, Jackson's dad passed away. So so
0: how is he doing? Because that was quite traumatic. It was traumatic for you as well, because I think even though you're not with that person, they were a big part of your life and they are still the father of your son that you see every day and that you love every day.
1: How did you guys deal with that? So... (sighs) Jackson, like he's 13. And so like, how does a 13 year old grieve? How does a 13 year old grieve a parent whom he wasn't that close to? It's really hard to see and and it's hard to help a child grieve when they're not really showing signs of how they're handling it. Obviously he was really upset and, you know, we're just kind of taking it day by day. He it hit me really hard, harder than I thought it would. I'd never, ever badmouthed Jackson's dad to Jackson, but behind closed doors to my family and friends, like, you know, I complained about him all the time, you know, because of child support or this or that or whatever. And I just like, there's a lot of guilt there. Like I should have been nicer. I should have seen the signs. And now I got to raise Jackson on my own for real. You know, even though Jackson's dad was kind of there, now I got to do it for real. And it's just, it's probably the closest person in my life that's passed away. So it was, it was really, really hard. So the first couple of weeks was focused on Jackson, you know, and making sure he was okay. And when I knew he was okay, then I kind of let my guard down and and yeah, it hit, it hit me really hard. November and December were really hard for me emotionally, really hard.
0: Well, and it's still so fresh because that's Mm -hmm. that's not that long ago. And Mm -hmm. and you almost put a guard up at first because you are worried about him. Yeah. You can't grieve, you can't deal with your emotions because you're like, how's he doing? You know, when is Mm -hmm. he gonna let his emotions out? Is he okay? And you were responsible for him fully now, right?
1: It was like that survival mode again, right? You go into survival mode, you you take care of the things that need to be taken care of, like Jackson while he's grieving. And then once like that part settles down then like a whole wave of emotions come upon you and you're just like oh shit like i got to deal with this myself now too right and it's not over yet unfortunately um we still have to go through his dead stuff it's uh, still in storage because we just weren't prepared to do it right away right so we either got to keep paying storage fees or we got to get down there and and sort it out yeah and and we don't have cause of death yet so that's really hard for Jackson we don't have that closure for him nor could we have a funeral because of covid so it's almost like just like this ongoing like we would love to have closure but there's it's almost impossible right now
0: and it'll take time and i mean there's where mm-hmm. we come back to social media where i'm sure you you heard from people that maybe had went through the same type mm-hmm. of things yeah and they can lend more support than anything because i don't think we can ever tell anyone how to grieve no And with trauma, I mean you probably still have trauma come back into your mental state from the cancer. Yeah. Yeah. It's that cycle where you're okay, then you're mad, then you're happy, then you're you're happy Mm -hmm. you beat it. And then all of a sudden the the dark times come back again. It's something that you always kind of have to deal with. And so now let's talk career because when you Mm -hmm. were done with cancer, you had been in a different career. You've done a few different things since then. You're Super woman car salesman now. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Who Tell knew? Me about that. Cause you before we started recording, you said you love it. You're you're I an do. entrepreneur. You look forward to it. You work six days a week. You work a yeah. lot of hours. Yeah. How does that feel? Because that takes a lot of confidence as
1: well. Yeah. So um the majority of my working career was with Lordco. so selling automotive parts and accessories. I did outside sales. And I did pedal things, but I was, I was more so like the mediator between the company and the, and the client. I did that for 15 years. And then I dove into the fitness industry a little bit. And then, oh, so I was a manager at the UFC gym and one of my clients there I guess I complained about my job one too many times. And she's like, you know what? I think you do great at selling cars. She worked at a dealership and she says, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get you a job. I'm like, okay, good. Cause I'm making jack shit money here <laughs> and it's, it's draining me so much. Uh, let's try something. And automotive was my background anyways. So yeah, I got a job with her. I since uh, moved dealerships. I'm at uh, Maple Ridge Chrysler now. And yeah, it's it's amazing. I've been there for about seven months, and uh, I love it. It's really rewarding. The sale is a little bit of a high. Once when you get when you make a sale, it's just a, it it feels really good. It feels really good to help people, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a bit of a man's industry, though, too, isn't totally. it? There's not because yeah. I'm thinking about all the
0: cars I've ever purchased. I think it's always been from a male. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's fun because uh, men like to buy from women. And women like to buy from women, so it, it actually works really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. So and Thank so, you. you were you at Chrysler before Maple Ridge? Uh, no, I was at Ford uh, and in Richmond, and uh, it was just too far of a drive. And so now I'm uh, at Maple Ridge, and uh, it's literally eight minutes from my driveway. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's that's really awesome. awesome.
0: Yeah. So you yeah. see yourself growing, like, and, and just again, you talked about entrepreneurship, which it very yes. much is.
1: Totally your own
0: business as much as you're selling the Chrysler name and the Chrysler vehicles. It's still the harder you work, the more rewarding it can be, the more you like your work.
1: Yeah. It's actually really awesome because I don't pay for the building. I don't pay for the inventory. I don't pay for the pens and papers. (laughs) I don't pay for anything. I have everything right there for me. So the more I know about it and the more I I learn and the more, the harder I work, it's just that the possibilities are endless. It's, it's really quite amazing.
0: It's amazing that you were able to do that big. Cause that was a, that was a huge transition from what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. took confidence for sure.
1: That took balls. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause I tell, I, I, I'm compensated very, very well. And so I have struggled financially in the past. So I've said before, I wish I got into the car industry sooner, but I don't think I would have been ready sooner because I, wa- I was not as confident. I wouldn't have had the the people skills, the life skills, you know, five, 10 years ago, like there, that Aaron couldn't sell cars. It's the, how my life has shaped leading up to now that makes me a good salesperson.
0: Well, the, the, the Aaron that beat cancer and mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a rockin' single mom is the one that's successful. It's that, con- mm-hmm. it is you. I mean, for you, you, you took the jump and the leap because what's the worst thing that could happen? You had cancer and you beat it. Yeah. So you go do it and you fail, whatever you go do it and you succeed. And Hey, now you've got a great new career.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: That's awesome. And so now in terms, in terms of the cancer, you were doing a lot of things with the Terry Fox run. I mean, COVID, we're really losing a lot of of these types of events. Are you still working with them? Are you still wanting to speak and and do that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. So I did have a couple of schools lined up uh, this September, but of course they had to cancel those. I did do one like live sort of chat just like this, um, back in September. Uh, but other than that, like everything's kind of been put on, on hold, but it, it, I love it. Like I love kids and I love speaking to them. I don't like the running part, but luckily <laughs> did luckily, you run, did you run in it? Well, yeah. So luckily, like if I speak at a school, there's usually like the kindergarten grade one, two, where like, they have to run one lap around the field and that's me. I'm running that one lap. <laughs> that would be me too. I
0: would yeah. be cheering everyone on. I'm. I can't run. I'm not yes. a runner, but it, it it is inspiring. I love always love seeing the strong the strong runners. It's for a good cause uh, too. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's really an, it's amazing. Foundation. They're they're just like I said. The the school programs are amazing, and yeah, it's just it's just really fun. Well, it's one of
0: those things that I mean, we never used to talk about cancer when I was younger. It was that word that you didn't want to say if someone had it, you didn't really want to bring it up to them or Mm -hmm. talk about it. And I feel like Mm -hmm. the Terry Fox, that foundation has really brought light and Terry Fox himself to cancer. I mean, look what I agree. Yeah, I agree. And so what's next for you in terms of I handled a lot. How are you feeling now? You're not doing any competitions anymore. You're focused now on health, balance, Mm -hmm. wellness Mm -hmm. in in Mm -hmm. life.
1: Yeah. I mean, you nailed it right there. I I don't have a competition planned. Work takes up a lot of my time, but I am learning balance both in, you know, food and relationship and work and my kid. And I'm finally in a place where kind of everything in my life is kind of right where it needs to be. So now it's just a matter of like, hey, I need to do a little bit of more of this, a little bit less of this, and, you know, kind of like find that that perfect balance. It's working out pretty good. Like there's there's not a, a lot of things right now that that are extremes. And so it's it's kind of nice to have that kind of level field right now. Well, and you got married last year.
0: Uh, yeah, in August. To the love of your life. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you guys meet? You met on like a dating site, didn't you? Yeah. So we met on Plenty of Fish.
1: I just ended like a terribly toxic, four-ish year relationship. And so I wanted to go and do some online dating just for fun. And uh, this is horrible. I set my parameters for about 10-ish years younger than me, because I figured they don't want to be serious. They don't want any kids. They might not even call me back, which is fine. And and, uh, so I had some fun and I I met um, my now husband, Graham. And yeah, we, we had some fun at first and it wasn't, wasn't all that serious. And then uh, one day he comes over and he, uh, I'll never forget this. He starts kissing me with his hands on my face and like, just like really like that sensual romantic stuff. And I'm just like, ah, geez, that's it now. So then, yeah. So then, yeah, we, that was about four or five years ago. And yeah, we got married in August. So Is that? did you get together with him after you beat cancer? So, well, no, we met before and then we had broken up and then got back together kind of at the tail end of my cancer stuff.
0: Well, and again, there's just like your, your new career, I think that love also kind of presents itself when you're ready for it, right? You were a different era in post-cancer as you were coming out of it. Absolutely. So you're stronger for relationships and career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. That's awesome, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. And your wedding, I loved your pictures too because that was hard. You you. got married during COVID as well.
1: Yeah, so we had a, uh, we wanted a small wedding anyways. We had about 50 people invited and we were just going to do yeah, just a little wedding in the Okanagan because most of my family lives there and most of his family lives there. And then then COVID really hit. And so it's funny, when, when we got engaged, we were talking about what we wanted to do. This was back last February. And we said, we just want to get married in the backyard with our cats. Can't we do that? And and then we started planning for Vernon. Um and then COVID hit hard. And then we're like, hey, guess what? Let's get married in the backyard with our cats. <laughs> so that's what we ended. That's what we ended up doing. So we had seventeen people. It was immediate family only, and like no exceptions. Luckily, like my best friend is my son, and his best friend is his brother. So it was kind of really nice. We didn't have to be like, "Oh, who should we invite?" You know, who sh- who's going to be left out? It was immediate family only, and uh, yeah, it was seventeen people. So,
0: so it really was you, and you get to see and be with the yeah. love of your life because it's not filtered yeah. by all of the two hundred person
1: you know, massive nope. banquet hall. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's awesome. Exactly. Thank oh, you. Yeah, so awesome.
0: fun. I, I'm going to do, I'm going to do rapid fire now. So at the end sure. of the podcast, I just will rapid fire and you tell me just the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. If
1: you could go anywhere in the world post COVID, where would you go? Mexico. That was where we were supposed to go for our honeymoon. So that's, that's what's on the plan. Which part of Mexico? Uh, it doesn't really matter. Anywhere warm.
0: Yeah, I know. I think we're all, we're all craving that. I know. If you're the president of the United States. Who is your vice president?
1: Oh man. Probably my dad. Are you your yeah. daddy? Daddy's girl. He's my hero. Aww. Yeah. Celebrity crush. Oh man. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I have one. Hmm. <laughs> Well the rock. Let's go with the rock. <laughs> <Rocky>. <laughs> the rock used to be mine. <laughs> yeah. That's also my husband's a celebrity crush. So he'll be happy with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's your favorite car since you sell cars? Oh man. Well, currently I'm driving my dream Jeep. It's a it's a Jeep Rubicon. So I'm that was my dream vehicle. Second to that, I love trucks. So yeah one-ton dually would be my, my next dream vehicle.
0: And I'm, that's just over my head. Anytime I ask anybody about cars, I'm like, (laughs) as long as it moves and it turns on, it's (laughs) (laughs) what's the swear word you use the most.
1: Oh, probably the F word for sure. Did I use it in this podcast? Yeah. Oh
0: God. We swear a lot. Yeah, I know, but I don't think I did. No, I don't think you did. I, I find okay, sometimes I have people on here, then we are just dropping them left and right. I, and then other times I'm, I'm more timid. I don't think I've even sworn yet.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. Well, we got to have way more fun. <laughs> What's the last film you watched? Oh, I can't remember the last movie I watched, but um, the last series was six feet under. Oh, that's an old one. That's an old yeah. one. Yeah. It's good. I haven't
0: seen that one. I haven't, I'm Netflix binge, like since COVID hit, I've seen everything. (laughs) Everything. Yeah. It's really good. And in closing, what would be one piece of advice? Because you've, you've had a lot of trauma with the cancer, with the death of your, your ex, the father of your son. Let's talk about what your largest piece of advice for someone going through, let's say cancer, like, okay, so how do you stay resilient? How do you stay positive? How do you forge ahead when you've got such insane trauma coming at you?
1: Well, mindset is everything. And so, I mean, it's easy for me to say, stay positive. You know, you'll get through this. Everything will be okay. That's one thing to say, but sometimes that's not realistic. When I say mindset is everything, allow yourself to feel your feelings, feel them and heal from them. And never give up because it's it's going to be hard. Life is hard. Everybody's going to experience some sort of trauma, heartbreak along the way, feel your feelings and never, never give up. I love that. Thank
0: well, you. thank you for coming on and thank you for not giving up. Thank you. Um, for having me. <laughs> and um. thank you. You know what? Thank you. You were very inspiring to me because you had just kind of beat cancer. You went through a bunch of stuff and you came to my book launch party. Two years ago. And when you were coming, you wore like this super awesome sexy outfit. And it was it it was, you said to me, you sent me a message saying you were questioning it at home. Yeah. 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 And there's where that word confidence came out again, where you Mm -hmm. put on the crop top. Yep. Yeah.
1: I thought, you know what? If, If if there's ever a place, a time, uh, and a person to wear something. A little bit out of my comfort zone. It's at your book launch. So yeah, so I did it. <laughs> you rocked it. That
0: picture too. Thank like you. you looked so hot in that. And it is, mm-hmm. I think we do that as women. We question ourselves so much and
1: to step out of ourselves and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. do it. Just do mm-hmm. it. I knew that, like that the type of people that were going to be at your launch are are not the judging type. And I just I, I knew that I that if like I said, if that was the time and place, like that's it. <laughs>
0: Well, and and thank you for always being so real and raw. Those are always my two words that I like, the truthful. Mm. And when I followed your cancer journey and then beating it on social media, it was just very real and raw. And Mm. we don't see that a lot on social media. We see the person that's being positive all the time and doesn't have the ups and downs. And I really did appreciate seeing your full journey and then now seeing your journey into doing great new things in your career and in life. You just put yourself out there. Like, you know what? I'm not perfect all the time. I'm not having a great
1: day and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's important for people to see, like, see that because there's so many people on social media that don't, you know, you see the highlight reels and uh, yeah, it's nice to, yeah, just show your true self and, and see that in other people as well.
0: And where can people find you? We'll we'll post up the handles, but where can they find you on Instagram? Uh, it's Aaron three underscores, Danielle. And do you allow people to reach out to you? Like if someone were struggling and they just found out that they had cancer or they just lost a spouse or, or is that something that we can invite people to listen and and say, you know what, I'm going to reach out to this girl. She inspires me and I want to hear her advice and her support.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I try to respond to people as quick as I can. If you do message me, I welcome it. Just be patient with me responding.
0: (laughs) Well, and thanks for doing that. I mean, again, women, women supporting women. I just love that. And you're very inspiring to me. And I'm just happy to see what's next for you because I do feel like, like you said, you beat cancer. What, throw it at me. What's next? I feel Mm -hmm. like there's something else coming for you and
1: I can't wait to watch and see what it is. Thank you so much, Lori. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here and to see your face again. Thanks so
0: much for listening, friends. If you want more tips and tricks, On rocking your life and rocking your body, be sure to check out my website, lauriemork.com, or follow me on Instagram at lauriemork. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast where each and every week we're going to release new episodes with down and dirty topics, some wicked guests, more badassery, and just have a kick-ass time together. And if anyone has a problem with it, they
1: can kiss my curvy ass